Welcome to the show. Welcome to BS with Selena podcast. This is a show brought to you by thefullfield.com and episodes drop every other week on Monday. And I do have to little say a little caveat. I know two weeks ago uh, there was supposed to be an episode dropping and life just got busy, folks. And that happens. And I'm just going to keep going. So here's this week's episode. There is a great deal that I'm going to be discussing today, and I'm going to be primarily focusing on East Coast conferences. So I've got three of them lined up for us today to discuss a hot topic in the field and some fun financial facts that we're going to be going over today. So welcome. So for this episode... I am focusing on the East Coast, and the East Coast is a very busy geographic part of the United States, and it's also a very busy time of the year in April for conferences. So the three that we are going to be focusing on today, bear with me with these acronyms because there's a ton of them in here, but we have VABA, the Virginia Association of Behavior Analysis. VTABA, Vermont, and then we have Amoeba, (laughs) which is just a fun one to say. This is the Association for Maine Behavior Analysis. So that that is what we're focusing on today. Um, We've got these three conferences that I'll be breaking down and going over, providing some helpful information uh, for those who hopefully would be looking to attend. And we're going to take it from there. So let's start off first with VABA. So VABA is the Virginia ABA state chapter. These are all state chapters, I should actually say. And I think finding out more information on your state chapter and being a part of it is really important in the field here. So this is the annual conference for the Virginia Association is April 29th and 30th. So this is a two-day conference. And it appears that it's it's going to be an in-person conference, which uh, for the past two years has been very um, unknown or just certain that it won't be in person. So this is pretty exciting. Um, Some people can come together, you know, safely and healthily, I hope for everyone, and enjoy two days together. So part of this two-day conference, uh, there are some workshops available, which if you are not familiar how workshops differ in the conference area, I would suggest going back and taking a listen to a prior episode in which I break down some of the terms and helpful just terminology concerning conferences. But there are some workshops within VABA conference. But let's go ahead and get into some of the financials for this. So registration for the conference, there is an early bird registration. So if you have um, registered prior to March 29th, um, you would have saved $20. Uh, so the early bird registration is $130. After uh, March or March 29th, it went up to $150. There is also a student discount. So for the early bird registration, that was $75. And after March 29th, that was it went up to $95. For the workshops, there was also some opportunity to save there. Uh, so for registering prior to March 29th, that was going to be $75 for the workshops. And after March 29th, that would be $90. Uh, 
another important date is that they did have a call for papers. So for those who are presenting, um, they went ahead and extended that to April 15th, which would have been two weeks prior to the conference. Uh, so there was some great deal of opportunity to present um, and to submit there. So that's always exciting. A little bit more helpful information with the conference here, their registration They do have a a three-year registration option, which is helpful to save. And then that really could just also be one less task to complete every year. Um, If you know you're going to be in the area, if you know you're going to be part of the chapter for three years, uh, you could save a little bit of money. And yeah, just one more or less task to complete. They have four different tiers of membership. They have full, sustaining, affiliate, and student. The full membership is when voting power occurs. So for a full membership, this will run you $25 a year or $65 for three years. So you go ahead and save $10. The sustaining membership, this is kind of like one tier above uh, full. So you get all the benefits based on full, and then you also get uh, recognized in their newsletter as well. So this will run you $60 a year or $170 for three years. So that saves you $10 as well. For an affiliate membership, these are for those who don't meet the full or student requirements. This is just $20 a year and there is no voting power in this. For student, this will run you $15 a year. Um, For affiliate and student, they don't have a three-year discount. So that's that's a membership that you would need to go ahead and complete annually. But this was something really cool that I saw on the website that I thought was some bonus benefits here. So you can receive a a discount for ABAI registration. That's pretty helpful. Uh, You receive a quarterly newsletter. There's some social networking events. And then they have discounts at some stores that I'm sure we all shop at um, or that we could. So they have discounts at Office Depot, Office Max, King's Dominion and National Enterprise Rent-A-Car. So the King's Dominion, I, I I was not familiar with what that was. This is an amusement park. I thought, how cool is that though? With your membership, you could go ahead and get discounts at these, at these locations. And I think that's just kind of a great benefit to have. So in, in addition with these discounts here, um, some of their missions and values they have listed um, on their website. And I thought this was, um, this was a really good kind of a statement here, but their target target audience are for individuals interested in the science and technology of behavior analysis and its underlying philosophy and radical behaviorism. So I think that was pretty good. Within their mission, they also focus on some goals, which I thought that was really great to have on a website. So the mission of the Virginia Association for Behavior Analysis is to promote and support the practice, research, and dissemination of behavior analysis throughout the Commonwealth of Virginia. I think that's a really nice mission statement there. And they have outlined four different goals, um, you know, to improve their visibility, to provide quality services, to strengthen the diversity and cultural competence within VABA, and then also to advocate for the science of behavior analysis in the Commonwealth. So I think I think that's great that they, um, you know, they have goals, they have missions um, here. So I think that's all really lined up very, very well. Just a little notation here, the Virginia Association. So it's a 5016C. And what this means is that any sort of donation that's provided that cannot be deducted from federal and state income tax. So April is also tax season. So I thought that just kind of was an important notation there to have. But that is VABA.
It sounds like a really great conference that's happening at the end of this month. So for those who are looking to register next year, their registration is based on the calendar year. So it would be best to to register earlier in the year to maximize you know your the membership and the dollar amount for that. So that's VABA. So then let's head on north a little bit here, and we are going to go to Vermont. So Vermont is VTABA. This is the Vermont Association for Behavior Analysis. They have two tiers for registration here, professional and student. So to register for the state chapter, it's $55 a year. For student, it's $25 a year. The conference itself is a one-day conference. It's on April 29th. And registration for the conference is $110 for members and $135 for non-members. So then, um, you know, to get the discounted price, it would be best to register for the state chapter um, and then to register for the conference. It's a one-day conference, and it looks like it's going to be an in-person conference, so that's pretty exciting. Uh, You know, again, there hasn't been a lot of, um, you know, opportunity for individuals to come together in person. The mission for VTABA here, you know, is to build a cohesive group of individuals in Vermont dedicated to the advancement of theoretical experiment and applied analysis of behavior. Some additional benefits that you can have with your membership here, um, they do discuss some employment opportunities, they have some professional resources, they mention uh, you know, affordable CEUs and events that they have um, curated, so I think that's really great as well. But that is VTABA. So now we're going to round out here and head just a little bit more north to Maine. So this is the amoeba. Uh, yeah, it just looks like amoeba to me. <laughs> and again, just a fun name to say. But this is the Association for Maine Behavior Analysis. Some background information on this chapter. It was founded in 2012. It became incorporated in 2014. And that's also when it held its first conference. Uh, so this is, I would say, maybe a newer you know, conference hosting chapter. Uh, it started off with just four members. And I think that's that's a, a big accomplishment, um, you know, to go just from four members to a couple hundred members now, and they've been having a conference since 2014. I think that's a great accomplishment. So something else that I thought was really nice with this conference is that registration for the conference, once you register, that pays for your annual membership. So if you register for the conference, you have your membership paid for as well. So they have five different tiers for registration. They have a standard, which is $90, a student, which is $40, an affiliate, which is $40, and then they have a conference supporter. This is $350. And then the last tier is an Amoeba uh, AMEBA conference partner. Uh, This is $500. So those are their tiers. It's a one-day conference. This one is on April 29th. This is a virtual conference. It will be held over Zoom. If you go ahead and register for the conference, then you have the membership for the year. And I just think that's that's helpful um, as well. Um, just kind of a one and done uh, registration here. This state chapter, you know, is dedicated to creating a community of qualified specialists 
and informed clients. So I think that's really great that they're um, looking to not only provide resources and education opportunities for clinicians, but for also those who perhaps are receiving services or who are looking to just gain additional knowledge as well. So I think that's really great. They do have an award. It looks like it is open for for individuals to submit to. Uh, So on the website, there is the Sustainability Research Award. And this is for $500. It's awarded to two individuals. And in order to qualify for the award here, one would need to provide a project description that includes background or rationale for the study, research questions and design, methods, procedures to be employed, and a plan to disseminate the findings. I really like this part here too. The application it's stating should not exceed three pages. Uh, so I think that's really nice that they list, uh, you know, like a maximum amount that they are looking for when submitting to this because I'm sure some individuals could probably write up, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe like a 10, 15, 20 page, um, you know, submission here, but they're looking for just no more than three pages. Uh, so I think that's really great. And this is, again, their sustainability research award. So I think that's something great to look into on the website here. So those are the three conferences, state chapters over there on the East Coast that I think would be really helpful um, you know, for individuals. So if those are states that you are residing in, maybe you're moving to or you're looking to find out more information, there's a specific speaker you're looking to hear from. You know, I hope that information is really helpful for you. And I hope you know, those conferences um, continue to grow as well. So let's move on to the hot topic in the field. And this is a bit of a maybe like linear here topic, but it's something that I'm noticing come up um, more and more often, uh, especially when discussing, you know, with individuals who would like to attend multiple conferences a year or who are looking to, um, you know, get back into travel for attending conferences because, you know, that is an option for some. They are, you know, conferences um, are now transitioning back to in-person Um, Things have opened up a little bit more, uh, and I hope that is something that continues in a very safe way as well. But travel, it's back. Uh, You know, the airlines as well, they've they've been making some adjustments and changes. Mask wearing is something that in the very near future, um, you know, in May as of of this recording, will be when the mask mandate uh, is removed. I think, you know, travel, it's, it's coming back. And I think that's exciting. But again, I hope everyone does it safely and stays healthy. But the hot topic that I want to talk about is finances, um, particularly with accessibility and financial literacy. So with some of these conferences, um, you know, there are those who may be looking to, um, you know, have reimbursement or to look to um, submit for a scholarship or for an award. And that is you know, there's some variables in there that I want to break down a little bit more. So let's say, you know, there is a conference one is looking to attend and an employer or maybe if you're in academia, um, you know, there's like a stipend in which reimbursement is available. And a bit of a limitation that I, I see with this is the individual registering or attending the conference, they will need to provide the funds themselves up front and then look for reimbursement. 
which that that could be that could be a, a bit of a limitation there um, because this means that the individual is expected and required um, in some situations to have all of the funds up front to pay them and then submit documentation and wait uh, for reimbursement. And that, that may not be available for everyone. Registration for conferences, this is something that is done online and done with a credit card then or um, some sort of debit card. Not everyone has access to credit cards or has access to credit cards with available limits or with high limits. Registering for the conferences, that's just one part of the financial requirement. One still needs to pay for airfare, hotel stay, food. I mean, this all can add up very quickly into the thousands of dollars. Um, you know, depending upon where you're coming from, the conferences discussed today are all on the East Coast. So for me, I'm in the Midwest. The airfare for that may not be as expensive, but trust me, it gets pricey very quickly. Let's say if there were those on the West Coast who were looking to try and attend a conference on the East Coast and travel was involved. Airfare from the Pacific Northwest, from the West Coast there, that can be a pretty pricey airfare ticket. And then you have hotel stay, perhaps for multiple nights, maybe a night before the conference or a night after the conference, depending upon when you're able to find an airfare um, that works within your schedule. So that can all add up very, very, very quickly. And I think it's just really important here to, to understand that the reimbursement process for this, it's not easy. And if there is an organization that has access to funds, just paying for that then up front is, is different than reimbursement. Um, and that minimizes a great deal of steps that uh, an individual receiving the funds would um, would not have to complete. And and I, I kind of am looking to ask the question here, should, should they really complete that? Isn't there kind of a, enough steps in place, um, you know, registering for the conference, finding airfare, finding travel, that all takes a great deal of time and dedication to, to locate that. You know, access to a credit card, you know, this really differs from person to person. Um, you know, there's, there's some different factors to look into, some variables, age, income level, gender, race. Um, these all will influence the number of credit cards maybe one has, the limits that are um, on there, uh, accessibility to funds. There was a study conducted by the Federal Reserve, and you know they looked at the the percentage of adults, U.S. citizen adults, that hold at least one credit card in 2020, and this was around uh, you know 80 percent of adults holding a credit card, and you know with that as well, the average credit card per per household, if you could say, was um, almost four credit cards. That's quite a bit. And I think this is something to look into that perhaps having more of may not always be beneficial as well, depending upon how one manages it. Because the average American household's credit card balance is just over $5,000. This was according to a study by Experian. That's a pretty hefty balance. And to continue and carry that over, um, I mean, depending on interest rates or you know different promotions, I mean, that $5,000 balance can quickly go up. And if you're adding to that of, you know, maybe another, you know, one, two, three thousand dollars for a conference, that is going to be financially hurtful. Access and paying with a credit card. Uh, this is an increase in popularity uh, as well. Uh, so another study conducted by the Federal Reserve found that in 2020, 
27% of um, individuals paid, uh, you know, exclusively with credit cards. And, um, you know, again, I think that's something that can work in your favor when there is financial literacy, when there is understanding, when there are resources available. However, that's, that is not always provided um, for all. And I think that's something really important to look at. A breakdown of those who uh, have a credit card, um, you know, kind of taking a look at that 80% a little bit more closely and having that broken down into race and ethnicity here, uh, 87% of individuals who identified as white uh, hold a credit card, Uh, 76% of those who identify as Hispanic hold a credit card, 72% of those who identify as black, 92% of those who identify as Asian hold a credit card. So, you know, this is just a a breakdown. So maybe uh, universally across the United States, it's over 80%. But that begins to look a little bit different when we look at race and race and ethnicity. And then also when we look at it uh, with income level, this will really show some differences here. So those with a household income of $25,000 or less, uh, 56% of adults hold a credit card. An income level between $25,000 and $49,000, uh, 85%. Those an income level $50,000 to $99, 94%. And those with over $100,000 or more, 98%. That's another um, area that I think it's really important to be aware of. Um, you know, after looking at race and ethnicity as well, looking at income level, the reimbursement factor with registration for conferences and attendance, that that could be uh, very helpful for individuals, um, depending upon how the financial structure is set up. But I think this is something to, to look a little bit more into, along with scholarships and, and awards. If there is a great deal of response effort needing to be put into that, is that matching the financial outcome for that? And kind of looking at, you know, like who who are these awards or scholarships um, for and just really making sure that they're lining up and matching there because, you know, conferences, they're expensive and they can add up again very quickly. And I think it's important, again, just to not look at maybe just the registration part of it, but the, you know, accessibility getting there um, for those that are on Zoom or online, that then requires, uh, you know, access to a desktop or a laptop, some sort of remote device for the individual to watch it on. So there's still that expense there as well. They may need uh, headphones as well. So how are they listening to it? Um, Not everyone has, um, you know, wonderful home offices that are completely excluded um, or maybe in a separate room. Working from home, you know, looks very, very different for a lot of individuals. And I think that's that's really important as well to be aware of. So this was just kind of a breakdown of, you know, some some financial finances, reimbursement, accessibility, financial literacy as well. Uh, you know, I think this is something to continue the discussion on um, and kind of go from there. But that is this episode's for BS with Selena podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Again, this is brought to you by The Full Field, where you can learn more on the full field of possibilities in behavioral science and, uh, you know, connect with us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram. The show notes today were researched by myself, Selena Davila Schilling, and podcast production is brought to you by Pretty Easy Podcast. 
The opinions shared on this show are of my own. There has not been any payment for admission or attendance to any conferences discussed on this show. If that shall occur, you know, notification will be provided to audience members and the opinions of the conference shall remain my own and unbiased as well. If you would like to get to know more about the episode or if you have a question for it or if you would like to be a guest on it, please go to thefullfield.com. There is a section there for individuals to submit questions, comments, concerns. Go ahead and let me know what some of those are and would be happy to continue the discussion there and hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good one. Okay, I'm going to pause because I totally didn't write down the date. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let's talk about conferences, Selena, but not write down the date for when they're happening. Oh, fun. There are, right? I'm pretty sure I looked this up and I saw that there was workshops for this. I'm literally just talking to myself, Alan. Like, don't worry. <laughs> that are available for this conference. Wait, are there? <laughs> oh my God. This is so funny. Mm-hmm.